What am I? What is the relationship between my mind and my body? The mind-body problem is an age-older problem. One of the questions you ask yourself, are your thoughts, feelings, perceptions, sensations, and which thing that happen in addition to all the physical process in your brain? Or are they as themselves just some of those physical processes? And what about gut feeling, instant? How we can anticipate uncertainty and predict situations before it happens? Do we understand why that happened to us? So when it comes to design robots or soft robots, one of the questions we can ask, should the brain and the body evolve at the same time? Should it be designed in a supervised way or open-ended way as we have in our nature? What kind of design we should aspire for? Optimal or adaptable? One of the questions we can ask, how do these robots can function at open-ended environment and anticipate the uncertainty? What if there's damage happening to the brain or the body? How they can adapt to each other in this scenario like that? What we are still lacking in designing robots to achieve the embodied intelligence? In this series, we are going to interview researchers from interdisciplinary field to answer these questions and trying to understand what are the missing pieces so that we can achieve embodied intelligence. And what kind of tools or series we need to develop for solving the dilemma of mind-body problem. First of all, we would like to say thank you for Professor Fumia Lida for initiating the International Workshop in Embodied Intelligence, as well as this podcast series idea as a part of the workshop. It was the first time in our field to have such a great event to stitch all the leading researchers and ask the basic questions and what could be the direction for achieving the embodied intelligence. I hope you enjoy listening to this series, and here's the interview. Thank you. Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. Hello, Parla. Thanks so much for joining us in the Embodied Intelligence Podcast series. Such an honor to have you. Uh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure and honor to be here and interviewed by you on uh, this interesting topic. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Paula. So maybe first the question we'll ask you, how you would like to define yourself for people maybe first time listening to you? How you would like to define yourself? Mm, I think that uh, I'm, I'm a dreamer and uh, I really like the creative process of engineering. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm an enthusiast person. I'm really enthusiastic and positive in, in my research. And uh, yeah, that's more or less <laughs> how I would define myself. <laughs> so the topic of the series about embodied intelligence. The first question, for people maybe first time listening, what is embodied intelligence? How do you define embodied, what is actually embodied intelligence is? That is a, a, a good question because, um, I mean, I think that uh, it's hard to define intelligence, but uh, embodied intelligence, uh, means that intelligent behavior emerge from uh, the coupling of uh, the body, the brain, and the environment. So not just from, from the, brain, the, the brain, actually. Mm-hmm. So 
we wanted to, to stress the fact that the body plays an important role in, in the learning and development, and uh, actually in the generation of intelligent behavior. And um, you can think about of like uh, all the uh, biological organisms, they actually, they don't develop uh, behavioral and cognitive uh, skills in isolation, right? So they actually interact with their environment and uh, they develop these skills dynamically. Uh, and they emerge actually from the interaction between their brain, the body and the environment. So mm -hmm. that is more or less what, what embodied uh, intelligence means. Great. So maybe the question we ask here about this is about, should the brain and the body evolve at the same time? When you design the robot, do you intend that the brain and the body evolve at the same time? And what if the damage is happening, for example, to the brain, how the body can adapt to the damaged brain or the damaged body can adapt to the brain in each scenario, how we can design adaptable system if there's damages happening in that case? Or should we evolve at the same time? Yeah. I think that, I mean, if we take inspiration from biological organisms, definitely like both the brain and the body have co-evolved together. And uh, this is something that usually uh, in the robotics community is not, uh, like it's not the approach that is commonly used, right? So we usually uh, design body and we tend to uh, increase the complexity or uh, the capabilities of the brain, let me say, um, to um, overcome the limitation of the body. While uh, instead, uh, uh, body and uh, uh, brain should co-evolve together, definitely, because uh, um, this is definitely something that uh, should change the paradigm of the, in the design of our robots. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely, I mean, the, the body can help in uh, um, solving some computational tasks. And so, uh, as we can actually see in all the, 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 the uh, animals and biological organisms, so definitely it can um, support the brain in some, in, in like, I'm talking always about, you know, uh, robotic agent at the moment, but we, we expect that uh, um, the body can, uh, in some way, by doing some computation, help the brain in, uh, in uh, this intelligent behavior. Um, and yeah, the other way around, the, the, the brain trying to, to help the body is probably what has been always done until now, right? So the, 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 the brain that actually is uh, uh, like, try to um, be so complex to be able to overcome body limitation. But I think that we should try to look at on the other way around, to, to start to look at how distribute the intelligence through the body, how the body can do some uh, perform some computation and in this way simplify what uh, needs to be done by the brain itself and in some way help it to solve complex tasks in the environment. That's interesting. So I think in, even in environment we have, uh, in nature we have some creatures that don't have a brain and exhibit intelligence through their bodies. So for you, do you think you have to weigh more for the body or the brain or equally if you try to distribute intelligence in that case? I think that definitely the, the community should start to look more uh, on uh, uh, the body because it's something that we uh, are not looking so much to it, actually. So I think that we need to start to, and this is like, 
you know, all the field of what is called morphological computation in the community. So we are trying to look at how the body can do some computation um, and simplify the control algorithm, actually. Uh, I think that we need to push towards that direction because there are there is already a lot of development from the perspective of, uh, you know, the development of the brain. So we have like, uh, um, we have solved it, uh, the problem of playing chess or playing Go, right? But uh, I mean, we need to start to look at uh, so that kind of systems don't survive in a complex environment. What I'm saying is that we need to actually um, provide robots with a uh, um, body that can perform some computation and uh, uh, can deal with the dynamic uh, uh, environment. So I think that that's the, the way around. Yeah, that's a good point. But maybe if you can add more, what's something you think is still missing in what we try to achieve in embodied intelligence? Or maybe the direction we have to give much attention. You think when you look for a broader perspective or like a view, that something's still missing here to achieve embodied intelligence. And we have to give much attention. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, like in terms of um, Morphological computation, uh, definitely I am interested in looking on the uh, on, on this field of research specifically in the uh, sensory motor coordination. So I'm very interested in uh, uh, looking at how we can design sensor with the proper morphology, how the morphology of the sensor affect the way in which we um, can uh, uh, um, acquire and, and further process the data, how we can actually design sensors that can locally perform some preprocessing to simplify the inference at the later stage in the brain. I'm also interested, uh, and I think that is uh, actually a field that uh, we would need to, to look more into on the design of uh, uh, new functional material. So something that uh, um, we need to, to, to understand, we need to, to push towards uh, like uh, not just by um, understanding how to make functional material can be used for sensing, for actuation and so on. Also on an algorithm that allow us to design this material to get a specific behavior like computational. Um, so that is uh, another aspect that uh, I'm very interested uh, in. Uh, there is a lot of uh, like um, research now in what is called uh, soft matter computing. Uh, mm -hmm. Like uh, um, so, this this kind of aspect are uh, very interesting and would allow us to actually distribute intelligence through the body, right, and, and not just uh, at the brain level. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's very interesting, Barbo. The how we can design material that can compute its yeah actuation sensing, and still there's a lot of challenges when it comes, for example, any conductive polymer. That one of material can be actuator and sensor, but still the forces produced is not sufficient enough, and there's also trade-off. So I agree with you. I think that yeah. But, but maybe I'm curious to ask you in that case. Do you think the way we designed the morphology, if we speak about? functional material that can actuate and sense and that in this perspective. Should we design them in optimal way or adaptable way? So what kind of design you aspire to have in the end of the day? I think that the, the, the concept of adaptation uh, is like a concept that uh, I really like because I think that um, 
this comes from definitely uh, like a biological inspiration, right? So like an evolutional aspect. So I think that if we could push also in uh, towards a, a like software tool that could allow us to, to uh, you know, look at the evolution of this material, I mean, functional material or functional structure. Uh, so that would also uh, help us because we can deploy a system um, in a certain environment, but uh, uh, I mean, we can, in this way, if we can think to material can adapt, uh, we, the, the, the system itself adapts to a specific uh, environment instead of to, you know, uh, like constrain ourselves to the, the optimal, because the optimal is always related to a, a particular <laughs> like, uh, uh, environment or, uh, or, or task. Instead, we want to, to push towards like system that can really adapt to the condition at hand. And adaptation also can be useful as you mentioned before, when like some part of the system is broken or fails. So the mm. system can readapt itself to actually be functional in new conditions. So, I think that the ability to to look at like this also evolutionary process of what we design and how we can evolve and, and adapt to a new situation would be very interesting and definitely something we need to push yeah. forward. Mm -hmm. And I guess this gives us case uh, problem in when we look to the brain and the body, we, are, we happen to see this people from neuroscience perspective and they ask about the gut feeling. When you have the scenarios, everything is right and you arrive situation, but your gut feeling telling you there's something off although it's just a prediction. And we don't understand how this happened in human being, this gut feeling that you mm -hmm. can predict that something is not right. When it comes to robotics, do you think that something, how we can design a robot that have the gut feeling or prediction, even everything is right, but it can anticipate the uncertainty in the environment? Yeah, I think that, I mean, this gut feeling for us depends on, uh, you know, like how we evolve with our capabilities and also the experience we had, right? So. That, that is what like provide us this sense of gut feelings in my opinion. So I, I, I think that, and that again, this is definitely part of uh, the, um, like the evolution of the cognitive ability of the agent in his environment and the experience that he made that can bring, you know, towards this uh, uh, sort of gut feelings in my opinion. So definitely we need to look at, um, like make the, the agent in the environment which you can learn, but like by interacting with the environment, with its own body, with uh, and uh, and uh, like develop cognitive skills that it can provide. Uh, so it can provide like this sort of gut feelings in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, yeah, that is what I think. And for your side, what could be challenging is the work you try to do in your lab, something you think is very challenging, still hard to understand how I can do that. Do you have any kind of th things you can share about uh, the challenges or technological blocks for your work? Yeah, I mean, uh, at the moment, as I told you, was like, uh, I'm mainly interested in uh, um, sensory motor coordination, how we can exploit, you know, the, like how we can design sensing systems that are uh, um, like, adaptive i mean we we I, I come from a background of development of sensing technologies and like uh, um 
we you know you are you design the sensor and uh, that's it like after like everything that comes after is just uh, again developing algorithm to try to understand uh, um uh like and process the information to do some inference but like uh, how if the sensor can adapt as the body and uh, how we can uh, um also exploit the passivity of the body not just you know do active exploration but also the the, the passive interaction to um in some way filter the the, the data the information we are we're uh, um, getting and uh, all these kind of aspects are definitely uh, of interest to me how we can have sensing system that evolve as well like uh, so changing over time uh, to adapt to new situation and, uh, and and that is definitely something that I'm trying to, to explore uh, mm. and in which I'm interested in at the moment but yeah all the other aspects as well I think that are very challenging right also for the time horizon I mean if you want to to look at the evolution of course you need like a software that can support <laughs> this and uh, so yeah but I'm curious to ask you when it comes to the brain that we design and the control, we, we have the tendency, we have this morning with Professor Cecilia Shid that we need to simplify the controller sometime, but she had an interesting perspective. But for you, uh, when it comes to control design and you have this material, do you think the controller we design now in the field, do you think we have to, for example, I think one of the interesting things about dead fish swimming upstream, how a dead fish can swim and have this all for free, all this uh, behavior for free, and it's dead. So do you think we have also to go for this direction that how we can use this material that you mentioned that can sense and activate and can have this intrinsic control instead of using external control? Do you think it's something is important to be considered when it comes to other intelligence as well? The control? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is uh, simply like, uh, so calls again from from to have like a sort of uh, um, morphological computation or bodies that can actually perform computation and uh, so uh, definitely is uh, is something that is is uh, something we would like to pursue in some way um, we can still uh, like join like and uh, look at uh, to uh, use both, you know, as an octopus. Octopus have like a sort of distributed intelligence in their own, they have also a central controller that uh, coordinates uh, all the information. Um, so I think that there is a, like, uh, it's a good perspective to like try to definitely work toward having like local <laughs> processing and control and distributed intelligence, sorry, um, distributed, but also a central uh, uh control that can uh definitely um you know uh, coordinate all this system so it depends also on what you you want to to achieve of course but uh, um yeah i think that uh, uh, like to be able to perform some computation like in a distributed way and locally would definitely simplify uh like uh the, the, the central control and uh, would allow to have a system that are more adaptable. Uh, this is something that at the end, I mean, it looks like that the community tend to be more uh, like interested, I'm talking in general about the robotic community, it looks like they are more interested in or they are um, 
um, they accept more complexity in the brain, but they accept uh, less, uh, like a, a, a more like a, a, a complex morphology that in reality can simplify control algorithm later, right? So it's something that is still difficult to understand, in my opinion, for for many. Uh, but that uh, is something we need to look at. Into. Absolutely, that's a really good point. When it comes to environment, because you mentioned at the beginning the environment or the task, it's also a very interesting component. When it comes to simulation, when we try to find high fidelity simulation that gives us insight is uh, how this robot with this morphology and this brain can interact. How do you see simulation tools? If you use someone interested and what do you see the current tools is helpful to get what try to do generic solution for the robot that can adapt to different scenario environment. So do you think of the tools we have, how do you see the tools we have already? What limitation or trade-offs do you think? Yeah. In terms of tools, uh, of course, uh, like for example, if we, we look at uh, uh, soft robots, uh, definitely in my opinion, there is a lack uh, of uh, tools that, uh, I mean, of course, we can use finite element simulation if we wanted to start to uh, simulate the, the system in a, um, a very high complex environment. They are not the best suited tool that you can use. Uh, I mean, for rigid body robots, uh, you can use, uh, um, there are like a rigid body simulators that can help to simulate a different type of scenarios environment, but for soft robot uh, or uh, uh, compliant body, this is still something that is missing. And so uh, I think that um, we should push towards that direction as well to like provide uh, more suitable uh, tools for uh, um, uh, simulation uh, of, of soft robots in very different environment. Um, there are some uh, researchers trying to, for example, uh, use finite element simulation in the loop for control. Uh, but, uh, and other, definitely other researchers working on other type of tools uh, for uh, like uh, um, uh, design of materials and, and so on and so forth. But I think that is also a direction we need to push forward to, to definitely, you know, um, speed up the development of, of this. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So of course, and have a few questions. The first one, What's something through your work you know, when you try to do in the modeling or maybe in Syria that you thought that you have to work in this direction, but in reality was counterintuitive or surprising? I think this question, when we ask, we have surprising answer from each of us that something like emotion behavior or I didn't expect this behavior. It was counterintuitive to what I thought about um, in Syria or modeling. Do you have any kind of scenario through your work um, you thought something should work in a certain way, but it's counterintuitive when it works or surprising? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I, I think that, um, again, mainly was uh, about the um, my work on, on sensory motor coordination and trying to uh, look at the morphological aspect uh, in, in this scenario. Um, I think that the, the main problem is that not all the you know morphology and uh, algorithm couple uh, usually uh, can uh, 
make you achieve what you want. <laughs> that is come back to previous discussion about <laughs> algorithm and morphology should co-evolve co in some way. Um, and uh, it happens that uh, definitely I was uh, thinking like a certain morphology could help my sensor to um, like um, simplify a certain like classification task and instead that was not the case and uh, uh, I think I would have um, uh, we should so I, 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 I needed more um, insight on the um, like compliance uh, of uh, like the, the filter material that I was actually using on top of my sensor to to like better figure it out uh, um, how the process could could be through through the, the morphology of the sensor. So um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we needed to look at both of the aspects together. I mean, I was applying classical algorithms that were not working with the, the morphology that I, I designed with my uh, sensor. So that is uh, things that uh, um, actually I was thinking could work and instead it didn't. So I had to change a little bit. Thank you, Shaiba. Yeah. What could be your aspiration when it comes to achieving embodied intelligence? Sometimes if you think you have these crazy ideas and I want to achieve that concept, do you have any kind of thoughts or aspiration for your work when it comes to embodied intelligence? Maybe crazy ideas, or I don't know, what kind of thoughts come to your mind? <laughs> crazy ideas. Um, I mean, uh, like, uh, definitely, I always look at inspiration from, uh, from like, the um, biological organism environment that are definitely something that, uh, um, yeah, is so fascinating and provide a lot of insight. This doesn't mean that we need to definitely to replicate them like in the same way, but like we can actually take inspiration and, and try to um, um, understand the mechanism, try to implement in our, uh, in our uh, robots, definitely. So, um, so that is definitely something that uh, gives me a lot of uh, insight and uh, I'm looking into. Um, in terms of, uh, of crazy idea, definitely now there are uh, like a new trend of like biohybrid systems as well. So uh, that is uh, very interesting. Um, that is actually <laughs> like from, from, from certain perspective uh, looks like crazy in the sense that it's like, you know, to merge both uh, like biological uh, organism and uh, and uh, robotic organs together to, or make them evolve together and, uh, you know, um, in, in, in symbiosis or like, that again is something really crazy. And uh, um, I could maybe explore in the future. There are some researchers definitely working into this. Um, and um, yeah, that is something very crazy. <laughs> so maybe I'm curious to ask you what kind of book inspired you when it comes to maybe, maybe in general and what you read or an embodied intelligence as you like? Uh, definitely uh, the, the books Understanding Intelligence is one of them and the second is Embodied Artificial Intelligence is the second book. I think they are like um, good start 
But uh, of course, there are plenty of research from um, all now a very uh, uh, good community uh, that are working on, on all these aspects. Uh, I'm, I'm actually definitely a newbie with respect to uh, senior uh, researchers that, uh, that are, are working on this uh, um, and that are really pushing towards the boundary on, uh, yeah. on uh, new robot design. So, um, I think this is a starting point to understand the, the philosophy behind it, yeah. uh, this concept and uh, what comes from. Um, and uh, I think this is the direction to go because, of course, we want to have robots in our environment interacting with us. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, we need to definitely change paradigm in, in their design. Absolutely, yeah. And that could be the most important quality you have gained, the most important quality. In research yeah that uh, from from in particular researching in this uh, yeah, maybe uh this or maybe in general yeah <laughs> i think i think that the important quality that i learn from uh, from this uh, is to try to be more creative than usual so just uh, you know release a little bit of the boundaries that i learn from engineering in general, but start to look at, you know, other fields uh, that are not, you know, not close in principle, but, you know, from biology, uh, like material science, uh, uh, you know, there are plenty of fields that can provide a lot of insight. And uh, um, yeah, I think that just that is the, 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 the major skill. So start to, you know, uh, look at other fields, try to uh, uh, like mix with, mm -hmm. with my research and uh, uh, like look outside the box. Mm -hmm. So start to, yeah, look at what works. Yeah, and lastly, what maybe is best advice was given to you, maybe in this context of what you're doing or maybe in life and was maybe changing, like changing you stick to your mind. You mean, uh, like uh, to people interested in, in this research or- Yeah, but like maybe first something was given to you, advice was given to you and was maybe, yeah, it makes you that, it's changing your mind that stick to your mind because people sometimes receive advices. Yeah, they don't understand it at the beginning, but later on they figure out there's really important advice that changes their life maybe or- yeah. Something like uh, that. I think that um, my important advice is to no, like, given to you, given to you. something something was given to you. Advice. Ah, was given to you. yeah. No, I think that uh, like uh, I've been pushed uh, by my mentor <laughs> yeah. to uh, definitely uh, start to think outside of the box. That I I was uh, I was very. I was very constrained, like mm. uh, at, at the beginning. Now I'm starting to look at things in a different uh, way. So like as they can be possible, just not, uh, you know, when you think that something is crazy to say it's crazy and, and like, mm. you know, close the door to that. Instead it's crazy. And so <laughs> trying to push towards that mm. as, as much as possible. Because it's from crazy things that uh, new ideas can came out, and uh, you can start really to to do something different. Mm -hmm. 
so sometimes it's it's important and i think that the, my mentor gave me the like the advice to uh be brave in that mm -hmm. to, to sometimes like do something that is not uh uh like from the crowd but you know <laughs> that's a good very good advice yeah i don't know if you have any final words you'd like to say in this series for people listening to you do you have any final words you'd like to say yeah, um yeah i think be brave be creative and uh like don't like to don't be afraid to explore a new way, even sticking with your own, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, with yourself. So uh, I think it's, uh, it's important to, to do so. Thanks so much, Paul. I think that was very interesting to have your thoughts and yeah, inspiring for students to consider your points. Such an honor to have you in this series. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you so much. It was very really a pleasure. I hope this would be useful <laughs> for students interested in this. So thank topic. you.